0: They are determined to shut you up. I'll tell you how on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the uniparty and the deep state and lets you into the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode three sixty three of the all new Doc Washburn Show from Monday, March twenty seventh, twenty twenty three. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners. Most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Now, the, t- the title of today's episode of the Doc Washburn Show is They Are Determined to Shut You Up. Coming up, I'll tell you exactly how the government and the mainstream media plan to coordinate to shut us all up. But first, let's start with a recent video clip from an interview a podcaster who goes by the title Chief Nerd recently did with a great Tucker Carlson from Fox News Channel. I'll bet you
1: haven't heard this anywhere else. I've spent my whole life in the media. My dad was in the media. Like, that is a big part of the revelation that's changed my life, is the media are part of the control apparatus. Like, there's no... Yeah, I know, I know, because you're younger and smarter, and you're like, yeah. Yeah. But what if you're me, and you spent your whole life in that world? And to look around, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow. Wow. Not only are they part of the problem, but I spent most of my life being part of the problem defending the Iraq war. Like, I actually did that. Can you imagine if you did that? Well, what do you think, what is one of your biggest regrets in your career? Oh, defending the Iraq war? That is it? Well, I've had a million regrets not being more skeptical, calling people names when I should have listened to what they were saying. Look, when, you, when someone makes a claim, there's only one question that's important at the very beginning, which is, is the claim true or not? Mm. So I say, you know, you committed murder, or you rigged the last election before you attack me as a crazy person for saying that, maybe you should explain whether you did it or not. Right. I mean? Yeah. And for too long I participated in the culture where I was like, anyone who thinks outside these pre prescribed lanes is crazy, is a conspiracy theorist. And I just really regret that. I'm ashamed that I did that. And, and partly it was age, partly it was the world that I grew up in. So when you, when you look at me and you're like, yeah, of course they're part of the means of control. I'm like, that's obvious to you because you're 28, but I just didn't see it at all, at all. And I'm ashamed of that. Isn't that what the media tries to do, though? It's their only purpose, right? They're not here to inform you, really? Even on the big things that really matter, like the economy and war and COVID and like things that really matter that will affect you. No, their job is not to inform you. They are working for the small group of people who actually run the world. They're their servants they're their Praetorian guard. And we should treat them with maximum contempt because they have earned it.
0: Wow. Takes a lot of guts to say something like that.
1: The revelation that's changed my life is the media are part of the control apparatus. And they're not here to
0: inform you. Now, notice, notice Tucker does not say, except, of course, for the brave reporters in the news department where I work, the Fox News Channel. No, no. No, no, it's important to notice this. It's understood that he is alleging that the people who work in the same building with him are also part of the problem. Let me give you an example. Tucker recently played heretofore unseen video from January 6, 2021, at the United States Capitol, exploding a lot of the government and media's narratives about what actually happened that day and how Trump supporters behaved. He showed the uh, the guy that was called the Q shaman, the guy that um, wore the uh, the vest that looked like it was made of some kind of animal fur, and had the uh, the helmet on with the horns. Got about four years in prison. He showed a video we'd never seen before of nine armed, uniformed police officers. Escorting him around, trying to open doors for him. He's unarmed. And no time did they try to keep him from going into anywhere. And no time did they try to arrest him, restrain him, nothing. That was one of the many things that Tucker has done to explode this official narrative about what happened on January 6th. Now, I was curious as to how the straight news reporters over the Fox News Channel would handle the bombshells that Tucker Carlson dropped on a recent show on a Monday night. You know, the folks like John Roberts, Sandra Smith, Bill Hemmer, who are on in the daytime of Fox News Channel, the the so-called straight news reporters. So the next day, I watched hours of Fox News Channel's daytime news coverage, and there was... A total news blackout on this huge story that Tucker had reported the night before. It was as if
1: it never happened. The revelation that's changed my life is the media are part of the control apparatus. Indeed they are.
0: Oh my goodness. It becomes more and more obvious all the time. Now, let me give some details on that. This is a story I've been trying to get to for a while here. Recently, there was another drop of the Twitter files and how the government has been clamping down on us. Matt Taibbi. One of the reporters reporting on the Twitter files, Twitter files number 19, the great COVID-19 lie machine, a lot of people have been waiting for it, the Twitter files on COVID, Stanford, the virality project and the censorship of true stories. And so he's got a screenshot here. From a weekly briefing from the Virality uh, the Virality Project at Stanford, uh, the week of June second through the eighth, twenty twenty one, and he's got highlighted the release of Dr. Anthony Fauci's spring twenty twenty emails via the Freedom of Information Act has been used to exacerbate distrust in Dr. Fauci and in U.S. public health institutions. More highlighted areas from Stanford's virality, virality project. I'm going to learn how to say it eventually. From June 2nd through the 8th, 2021. Discussion of Fauci's emails also spread in Chinese on Telegram, the Telegram app. At least one group of 7,800 Members, which mostly discusses right wing conspiracies, claims Fauci, the CCP, the World Health Organization, and several deep state agencies have information on how to manipulate viruses and vaccines, which will fully expose the truth about viruses and vaccines. Takeaway Although much of the focus on Fauci's emails is related to his communication with Chinese officials in the early stages. Of the pandemic, the information also has a major impact on anti-vaccine networks. These networks are keen to foment increased distrust in Fauci's expert guidance and in American public health officials and institutions. Given the large volume of the emails, we also expect the responses will continue to flow in. See, they they want to shut you up and shut down any distrust in Fauci. And the public health Apparatuses of CDC, World Health Organization, National Institutes of Health, and the one that Fauci was over under the NIH, the NIAID. More screenshots from Stanford's virality project. Reports of vaccinated individuals contracting COVID-19 anyway. Natural immunity. Suggesting COVID-19 leaked from a lab. Even worrisome jokes. Oh, they were concerned about worrisome jokes. Yeah. Matt Taibbi says, all were characterized as potential violations or disinformation events by Stanford's Virality Project, a sweeping cross-platform effort to monitor billions of social media posts by Stanford University, federal agencies, and a slew of often state-funded NGOs, stands for Non-Governmental Organizations. Matt Tybee says, just before Michael Schellenberger and I testified in the U.S. House recently, Virality Project emails were found in the Twitter files describing, quote, Stories of true vaccine side effects, unquote, as actionable content. Again, highlighted from a screenshot. True content, which might pro- promote vaccine hesitancy. Viral posts of individuals expressing vaccine hesitancy or stories of true vaccine side effects. This content is not clearly misinformation or disinformation, but it may be malinformation exaggerated or misleading. Also included in this bucket are often true posts which could fuel hesitancy, such as individual countries banning certain vaccines. They don't want the truth out, y'all. Matt continues in the Twitter files, number 19. We have since learned... The virality project in 2021 worked with government to launch a pan industry monitoring plan for COVID related content. At least six major internet platforms were onboarded to the same JAR, pardon me, to the same JIRA ticketing system daily sending millions of items for review. Though the virality project reviewed content on a mass scale for Twitter, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Medium, TikTok, and Pinterest, and knowingly targeted true material and legitimate po- political opinion while often being factually wrong itself. Matt Taibbi has screenshots of, of stuff like that. Isabella Garcia Camargo regarding Virality Project Weekly Briefing, February 23rd, 2021. Ah, apologies for including one TikTok team member on the earlier thread. The organization names are alphabetically similar. Moved to BCC, so this thread is just Twitter team moving forward. I mean, platforms were the final stakeholders in the VP effort. Six social media platforms engaged with VP tickets Facebook, including Instagram, Twitter, Google, including YouTube, TikTok, Medium, Pinterest, acknowledging content flagged for review and acting on it in accordance with their policies. On occasion, platforms also provided information on the reach of narratives previously flagged by Virality Project, that's what VP stands for, of course, which provided a feedback loop leveraged to inform the project's understanding of policies and ongoing research. Matt Taibbi says, This story is important for two reasons. One, as Orwellian proof of concept, the Virality Project was a smash success. Government, academia, and an oligopoly of would-be corporate competitors organized quickly behind a secret, unified effort to control political messaging. Two, it accelerated the evolution of digital censorship, moving it from Judging truth or untruth to a new, scarier model, openly focused on political narrative at the expense of fact. The beginning. On February 5th, 2021, just after Joe Biden took office, Stanford wrote to Twitter to discuss the virality project. By the 17th of February, Twitter agreed to join and got its first weekly report on anti-vax disinformation, which contained numerous true stories. Okay? February 22, 2021, Stanford welcomed Twitter veterans like Joel Roth and Brian Clark, instructing them on how to join the group JIRA system. You can watch the friendly welcome video here, and he links to that. Okay, I hate it when they do shorthand, and they expect us to know what things stand for. So I'm looking up J A J I R A. J I R A is a proprietary issue tracking product developed by Atlassian that allows bug tracking and agile project Management. Atlassian is a corporation software company in Australia. The project name comes from the second and third syllables of the Japanese word pronounced as Gojira, which is Japanese for Godzilla. Oh, great. What could go wrong? The name originated from Nick? Well, I I don't care about the name. According to Atlassian, the software company in Australia, uh, Jira is used for issue tracking and project management by over 180,000 customers in 190 countries. Well, you learn something new every day. All right, let me get back to uh, Matt Taibbi, Twitter files number 19. March 2nd, 2021, the quote says, we are beginning to ramp up our notification process to platforms. So in addition to the top seven platforms, Virality Project soon gained visibility, to alternative platforms such as Gab, Parler, Telegram, and Getter, near total surveillance of the social media landscape. And he's got the screenshot from that email. Through July of 2020, Twitter's internal guidance on COVID-19 required a story be demonstrably false or contain an assertion of fact to be actioned. But the virality project in partnership the CDC pushed different standards, and he's got the screenshot to that. First of all, the former way that Twitter had operated, is it demonstrably false or misleading? There are three things to consider. Information that's significantly altered, manipulated, doctored, or fabricated, claims that are presented improperly or out of context, for example, through false connection, incomplete presentation, or false context, and claims that are widely accepted by experts to be inaccurate or false. So they move from that to this. Is it advancing a claim of fact regarding COVID nineteen? There are three things to consider: strong commentary, opinions, and or satire, are not subject to this policy. For a tweet to be, for a tweet to qualify as a misleading claim, it must be an assertion of fact, not an opinion expressed definitively and intended to influence others' behavior with regard to current on-the-ground conditions around COVID-19. So it doesn't have to be false. It just has to be something that is making life difficult for the powers that be. Matt Taibbi continues, Virality Project told Twitter that true stories that could fuel hesitancy, including things like celebrity deaths after vaccine or the closure of a central New York school, due to reports of post-vaccine illness, should be considered standard vaccine misinformation on your platform. And he's got the screenshot to that. In another email to Twitter, Virality Project addressed what it called the vaccine passport narrative, saying concerns over such programs have driven a larger anti-vaccination narrative about the loss of rights and freedoms. This was framed as a misinformation event, even though, of course, it was true. Virality Project routinely framed real testimonials about side effects as misinformation from true stories of blood clots from AstraZeneca vaccines to a New York Times story about vaccine recipients who contracted the blood disorder thrombocytopenia. In other words, this stuff is all true but they're saying it's misinformation. By March of 2021, Twitter personnel were aping virality project language describing campaigns against vaccine passports, fear of mandatory immunizations, and misuse of official reporting tools as potential violations. And they have—he's got screenshots of all this stuff. This echoed a report to Twitter by the Global Engagement Center regarding Russia-linked, so-called Russia-linked accounts. Quote, While this account posts legitimate and accurate COVID-19 updates, it posts content that attacks Italian politicians, the EU, and the United States. Matt Tybee continues, Twitter files number 19. That same GEC report Global Engagement Center. That same GEC report, found in the Twitter files, identified former Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte and former Italian Democratic Party Secretary Nicola Zingaretti, who's been compared to Bernie Sanders as highly connective accounts in a so-called Russia-linked network. The Virality Project helped pioneer the gauging of so-called disinformation by audience response. If the post-vaccine death of a black woman named Dreen Keys in Virginia went unnoticed, inspired mostly anti-vaccine comments on local media, it became a disinformation event. Doesn't matter if it's true. Virality Project warned against people just asking questions implying it was a tactic commonly used by spreaders of misinformation. It also described a worldwide rally for freedom planned over the Telegram app as a disinformation event. All right, here is the next quote. Almost always reportable. Virality Project encouraged platforms to target people, not posts, using minority report-style pre-crime logic. In other words read somebody's mind to see if they're going to break the rules. Describing repeat offenders like Robert Kennedy Jr., it spoke of a large volume of content that is almost always reportable. Virality Project was repeatedly extravagantly wrong. In one email to Twitter on so-called misinformation, it spoke of wanting to hone in on an increasingly popular narrative about natural immunity with increasingly Popular narrative was true, though. April 2021, the Virality Project mistakenly described breakthrough infections as extremely rare events. That should not be inferred to mean vaccines are ineffective. They're wrong. Later, when the CDC changed its methodology of counting COVID-19 cases among vaccinated people, only counting those resulting in hospitalization or death, Virality Project complained... The so-called anti-vaccine accounts like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and What's-Her-Face retweeted the story to suggest hypocrisy. So they're coming down on your first Amendment right to free speech to express an opinion big time. A few months later, Virality Project had another email. Key takeaway, breakthrough cases are happening and they are of serious concern. Though they represent an important reason to get the vaccine, Anti-vaccine activists are, use the term to suggest the opposite, that the vaccine is ineffective and that major public health institutions are deceiving the public about it. It says public health communication must include clear statistics and guidance around the Delta variant, its level of infectiousness, and rates of breakthrough cases broken down by symptoms, illness, and hospitalization. Look, I'm just getting started. I've got so much more. So much more from the Twitter files and so much more on exactly how they are planning to shut us up. Coming up, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including... Your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental U.S., RedRiverAuto.com. You will be glad you did. I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines. The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens... Your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away. The migraines went away too, and they've never come back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, any of these syndromes, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Cervical Center. 501 279 for free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation is 501 Now, if you're outside Central Arkansas, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. As you probably know by now, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. And he's done it again. Introducing MyPillow 2.0. MyPillow 2.0 has a brand new temperature-regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. MyPillow 2.0's new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature through the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. You know, your core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 was developed to provide a cool surface. It's engineered for comfort. MyPillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and there's a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. As a special introductory offer for my listeners, when you buy your new MyPillow 2.0, you get a second one free just by using promo code DWS. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look great, they feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dreams sheets. Now, Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dreams sheets. Buy a set of Giza sheets, get one free. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. Buy a set of Giza Dreams sheets and get one free just by using promo code DWS. My pillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles, like plush, waffle, or gossamer. Get huge discounts on blankets, duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS. And you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow 2.0 and Giza Dream sheets. Buy one, get one free. I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins even as we speak. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. Right now, save on My Slippers, Slip Ons, and Moccasins. Close out sale price at just $25 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike is having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals for just 19.98. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime anywhere. Just use promo code DWS. And remember, that doesn't stand for Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the washed-up Democrat politician. No, no. It stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com. Get, quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. Right back to Matt Taibbi, Twitter Files number 19. In a chilling irony, the Virality Project ran searches for the term surveillance state as an unaccountable State-partnered bureaucracy secretly searched it out. The idea that vaccines are part of a surveillance state won its own thought crime bucket called conspiracy. They're like, oh, my goodness, we can't let people talk about what we're doing even though they don't know we exist yet. After about a year, on April 26, 2022, the Virality Project issued a report calling for a, quote, rumor control mechanism to address nationally trending narratives, unquote, and a misinformation and disinformation center of excellence to be housed within the CISA at the Department of Homeland Security. Now, again, CISA is a federal government agency. It stands for Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency agency Again, a lot of these guys use shorthand because most of the people reading what they're writing already know what it stands for. The next day, April 27, 2022, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced in a House Appropriations Subcommittee hearing that a disinformation governance board had been created to be headed by the singing censor Nina Jankowicz. Yeah, she's the one that did the um She's the one that sang on YouTube doing the the Mary Poppins stuff, kind of unbalanced. Even in his final report, Stanford's virality project claimed it was misinformation to suggest the vaccine does not prevent transmission or that governments are planning to introduce vaccine passports. Both things, of course, turned out to be true. The virality project was specifically not based on assertions of fact. It was based on public submission to authority, acceptance of a narrative, and pronouncements by figures like Anthony Fauci. The project's central animating concept was, you can't handle the truth. Well, Matt Taibbi, in a sane world, he'd be a Pulitzer Prize for all this stuff, but I bet you he won't. One of the, the Virality Project's four core partners, the Pentagon-funded Graphika, G-R-A-P-H-I-K-A, explained in a report about Fauci, spelled with an X instead of a C, kind of a play on words. The guy is fake, faux, F A U X. That because the public cannot be trusted to make judgments on its own, it must be shielded from truths that might undermine its faith in authority. Hey, big brother. Right? Grafica wrote in a report sent to Twitter, quote, This continual process of seeding doubt and uncertainty in authoritative voices leads to a society that finds it too challenging to identify what's true or false, unquote. For this reason, the CDC-partnered project focused often on what they would call disinformation events involving Fauci, saying release of Fauci's emails foments distrust and deriding assertions that he had misled the public. But, of course, he did. A Cleveland Clinic study showed previous infection offered the same immunity as the vaccine, but Virality Project said discovery was subservient to narrative. They said whether or not scientific consensus is changing, natural immunity is a key narrative among anti-vaccine activists. In other words, we don't care if it's true. Got to push that vaccine, right? We don't much money they're getting paid. I know, I know, a lot. So the Virality Project communications mirror those produced in the recent court case, Louisiana versus Biden, which showed Facebook admitting to the World Health Organization that it, too, was censoring true content. And here is a screenshot from a Virality Project email to Andy Slavitt. Executive Office of the President, the uh, liaison with the World Health Organization, talking about this often true content. Says, we'll remove these groups, pages, and accounts when they are disproportionately promoting this sensationalized content, which they just admitted was true. Matt Taibbi continues, from the start, Stanford explained the virality project would essentially continue the work of its 2020 Election Integrity Partnership. Ooh. Boy, there's a heck of a tie-in. They wrote the same Jira system, J A J I R A, from the EIP is up and running. Oh, my goodness. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. EIP, all right. I hate the abbreviations, don't you? Because you look it up and it says economic impact payments. And I don't think that's what they're talking about here. Probably more like an educational incentive program. Yep. Back to Mac Taibbi. He says, in the last Twitter Files thread, we posted a video of EIP director Alex Stamos describing that project as Stanford trying to fill the gap of things the government couldn't do legally. Oh, I see. So EIP obviously stands for Election Integrity Project, which is something that Stanford did. Matt Taibbi says we also showed video in which Stamos introduced EIP research director Renee Deresta as having worked for the wait for it CIA. Deresta in 2021 and 2022 would be listed as a Stanford scholar leading the Virality Project. You know. Sometimes I think that there actually might be a deep state, you know? You ever think about that? By October 2020, Stamos was hinting at the Direction of the Future Virality Project, telling a national cybersecurity conference that the anti-disinformation mission needed a new focus. Yeah, I got a link to a YouTube video here. Stamos said, we talk way too much about foreign It's sexy, and it's fun, and it's a little bit cold worry. Adding, the vast majority of problems were now domestic. He says, we have like an 80-20 breakdown. I think that needs to be flipped. Virality Projects Partners, the DOD-funded Graphica, the National Science Foundation-funded Center for an Informed Public, the GEC-funded DFR Lab, and the NYU Center for Social Media and Politics, or... Sismap, map. And he's got screenshots here tying all these organizations together. Yeah, the Knight Foundation's program for research on the future of an informed society. The Knight Foundation's gift was matched by the Charles Koch Foundation. Gee, I thought they were uh, pro-free speech. Well, what, what did I know? Virality Project would later say it partnered with several government agencies, including the Office of the Surgeon General and the CDC. It reportedly also worked with Homeland Security's CISA, C-I-S-A, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and GEC, among others. He got screenshots on that. He says, to recap, America's information mission went from counterterrorism abroad to stopping foreign interference from reaching domestic audiences, to 80% domestic content, much of which actually was true. The disinformation governance board is out, but truth policing is clearly not out. That's messed up. By the way, did you know that there was a, a Marine Major General who was ordered to keep his mouth shut about personal vaccine injury so that other Marines would not decline the vax. Oh, it's true. Shocking new interview on One American News claims that Major General Julian Alford, former commanding general of Marine Corps Training Command, was ordered by the commandant of the Marine Corps to keep his mouth shut in reference to personal vaccine injury he sustained himself so that other Marines would not decline to receive the vaccine themselves. Yeah, they want to shut you up, all right. This is over at the uh, TRMLX website, which is a website with a lot of news articles about the military, a website maintaining accountability in our armed forces. Shut up, he explained. Okay, the Epoch Times. The Epic Times op-ed over there from Jeffrey A. Tucker, who's done such a tremendous job at the Brownstone Institute. And we have shared several of his articles recently about how Fauci and Burks pulled the wool over Trump's eyes to get him to shut down the economy. Jeffrey A. Tucker op-ed entitled, Bill Gates Plots a Global Pandemic Prison State. And his commentary, says, an epic disaster like the COVID response, one might suppose, should inspire some humility in rethinking on how public health could have gone so wrong. They had their run at it, but created a global disaster for the ages. This is more than obvious to any competent observer. The next step might be to see if there are any places where matters went rather well and Sweden comes first to mind. The educational losses were non-existent because they didn't close schools. In general, life went on as normal and with very good results. One might suppose a Swedish way would be vindicated. Sadly, our leaders care nothing for evidence, apparently. Their concern is for power and money at any cost. As a result, we are witnessing a concerted effort, not only to double down on errors the next time, but to make them even worse. The top two exhibits emerged over the weekend. New York Times article by Bill Gates entitled, We're Making the Same Mistakes Again. Wall Street Journal article by Tom Frieden, former head of the CDC, entitled, What Worked Against COVID, Masks, Closures, and Vaccines. Now, Gates deploys his privilege placed at the New York Times to agitate once again for a global health emergency corps, ensconced at the World Health Organization and managed by the same people who created the pandemic response this time around. In other words... It would be the core of the global government pushing more lockdowns for the world, lockdowns to wait for another round of vaccines. If you can believe it, he has learned nothing from the last mess that he created. Indeed, he's completely shameless about it. In his view, the only problem is that we didn't lock down fast enough, get vaccines out fast enough, and conduct enough research ahead of time to craft the perfect vaccine. And yes, this necessarily requires, you guessed it, gain-of-function research. In other words, in Bill Gates's view, we need, we need to have research continue to fiddle around in labs with tricks that anticipate pathogens of the future, thus again raising the risk of lab leaks that then necessitate fixes that can only be produced and distributed by the pharmaceutical companies in which he has such heavy investments. As a result, we have this hellish loop in play. Gain-of-function research to anticipate the next pathogen by creating it, and thus risking a lab leak that releases the pathogen that then has to be fixed by the vaccines themselves, but the world has to lock down until they can be put into billions of people's arms. And keep in mind that Bill Gates' Isn't just another bloke writing an op ed. He's the de facto owner of the World Health Organization himself. So his push for a permanent pandemic bureaucracy carries a lot of weight. His dream bureaucracy would override national sovereignty to make sure that never again would there be another Sweden. Bill Gates writes, It's difficult for any one country to stop a disease from spreading on its own. Many of the most meaningful actions require coordination from the highest levels of government. So the model is always the same and is taken from the world of computer science. It's a clean hard drive analogized to the human body or whole societies. They're working fine, but then an exogenous threat comes along in the form of malware. In order to defeat it, we need software that is updated. You clearly should not turn on your computer until you get the hard drive cleaned up. I'm serious here. Bill Gates' understanding of viruses is no more sophisticated than that. He has learned absolutely nothing in years. He is still repeating the ridiculous lines from his TED Talks from years ago. In reality, this has nothing to do with biological viruses, which we evolved to manage through the immune system, a concept that is entirely lost on him, he finds it inconceivable that the best strategy for healthy people is to meet the virus and train the immune system. Indeed, he's appalled by that idea, favoring only more injectable substances designed to fight diseases. Also lost on Bill Gates is a way in which viruses, whether from labs or nature, all must obey the natural epidemiological dynamics of pathogenic spread. The more deadly they are, the less likely they are to spread. And the reverse is also true. And the more prevalent they are, like COVID, the less severe they are. The reason is simple. A pathogen needs a living host. Yes, there are other variables, such as latency, which is how long the virus lives in the host before debilitating symptoms appear. Other than that, a lab cannot create anything that games its ways out of this matrix. Now, if you can understand that paragraph I just read to you, I can promise you this. You now know far more about viruses than Bill Gates does. And yet it is he who has a decisive influence over pandemic policy the world over. The reason is extremely crude. It's his money. It certainly isn't his intelligence. In fact, it's rather shocking how his money alone has managed to buy the silence of scientists the world over, who have shown themselves to be appallingly obsequious and deferential to the crankism that bill gates has been peddling for decades a good example comes from tom frieden the author of the above mentioned piece in the wall street journal for all the problems of the pandemic response he writes we know what works masking lockdowns of vaccines ideally mandated vaccines the piece is infuriating to the point that it is frustrating even to write a response and this is because his conclusion is already baked into the prose. He throws out a flurry of links to other studies in case you doubt his veracity, while carefully avoiding the huge numbers of studies that show otherwise. So, yes, I spent too much time over the week, over the week actually looking at the evidence for his thesis. On masks, he cites preposterous studies from three years ago. One looked at masking in Arizona over three weeks and came up with a difference in infection rates. But that study was during the smallest initial wave from 2020 and is entirely invalidated by subsequent analyses of the same two counties, not to mention the many hundreds of quality studies that have shown absolutely no difference in viral spread contingent on masking. Another study comes from a Navy ship in which people were asked to self-report. It's not even serious science, and yet this former head of the CDC cites it. That same study was pushed by the CDC to justify its own push for masks. It appeared in the MMWR series over three years that included some of the worst science ever distributed by a modern bureaucracy. MMWR stands for Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, just so you know. Again, it just Frustrates me when people use abbreviations that a lot of us don't know. On the business closures, Tom Frieden doesn't even bother to cite a study in defense of them. He just asserts the rights of governments to shut businesses down if they want to. What these people never mention is that business closures also include the government's right to shut your home to house parties and your church to worship services. In other words, This amounts to a massive attack on human rights, hard won over the last thousand years. Finally, on matters of vaccine efficacy, every study Frieden cites in the Wall Street Journal is based on bogus computer models that can generate any conclusion one desires based on the parameters of the input variables. They are the types of models that serious scientists working, for example, in economics stopped using many decades ago, and yet the epidemiologists are still wallowing in them in order to make a case for their preferred policies. Of course, he ignores the many hundreds of studies from the United States and the world that show no relationship at all between government interventions and good health outcomes during the pandemic. Once again, that is the great Jeffrey A. Tucker from... The Brownstone Institute over at EpicTimes.com and his commentary over there, which just dropped the other day, entitled Bill Gates Plots a Global Pandemic Prison State. Now I'm going to tell you exactly what the government has planned for us to shut us all up. Coming up next. Don't know if, don't know if you heard, but at and recently lost a lot of money on Wall Street after their satellite outfit DirecTV decided to delete Newsmax. If you want to drop AT&T or any of the big liberal cell phone carriers, I have the perfect solution for you. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patreon Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. And Patreon Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patreon Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. Hey, I'm a multi-line user. I'm saving a lot of money since I switched to Patreon Mobile. Now, when you switch to Patreon Mobile, you're shifting your support, from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT and make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, Inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals. Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means precious metals are an asset, commodity, or currency that maintain their value without depreciating over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, Precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty in the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Andrew has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew Sorcini and his team at Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and creating precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. We found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from General Michael Flynn, and we're so glad we did. Andrew is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew and his team, go to bh-pm.com. The BH stands for Beverly Hills, the PM stands for Precious Metals, bh-pm.com. Now, if you can't remember that, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. No matter what search engine you use, it'll be the first thing that comes up. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn silver coin. It's selling like hotcakes. And let him know Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you in your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments bh-pm.com or Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. I've been talking about how the world is going crazy with supply chain chain issues, record-setting inflation, and sky-high gas prices, and woke corporations that stand against everything we believe in. We all know how the big box stores were allowed to stay open all during the pandemic, while so many little guys, small business owners, Regular people were forced to close, sometimes for good. The wealthiest people on earth became better off while mom-and-pop businesses suffered. The question is, what are we willing to do about it? What can we do about it? How can our voices be heard? Well, we can make a difference by voting with our dollars. Why continue shopping at big-box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now, finally, we can shop factory direct at a family-owned, made-in-America manufacturer. SwitchToAmerica.com is helping Americans walk away from the big-box conglomerates. That's why Switch to America was created, with regular folks like you and me in mind. One of the best ways to get around this crazy inflation is to shop with family-owned companies that put their customers first rather than the shareholders and corporate executives. A lot of Patreon influencers have come on board. I'm inviting you to join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. We are done with the woke globalist operation against humanity. Each of us can take market share away from these businesses that have enjoyed unfair advantages. We can choose to help each other by shopping family owned, made in America. The website is SwitchToAmerica.com. Join with over 2 million monthly shoppers that have already made the switch. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Now, an even more exciting addition is fresh American raised beef. It's raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone. And this beef is known as never, ever, never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. SwitchToAmerica.com is dedicated to offering family owned alternatives for items we buy on a regular basis. Just go to SwitchToAmerica.com. When it asks how you heard about us, click on my name, Doc Washburn, plug in your info, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. SwitchToAmerica.com. All right, now it's time to take a look At what the government has planned to actually try to shut you and me up. And this is very serious. The article is from the great Margot Cleveland. It is entitled The US Government is Building a Vast Surveillance and Speech Suppression Web Around Every American. And it dropped March 21st, less than a week ago from the time I'm doing this podcast, over the TheFederalist.com. And I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't share it with you. The subtitle, Our Government is Preparing to Monitor Every Word Americans Say on the Internet and Censor Citizens Who Don't toe the Party line. And she writes, our government is preparing to monitor every word Americans say on the internet, the speech of journalists, politicians, religious organizations, advocacy groups, and even private citizens. Should those conversations conflict with the government's viewpoint about what is in the best interests of our country and her citizens, that speech will be silenced. While the Twitter files offer a glimpse into the government's efforts to censor disfavored viewpoints, what we have seen is nothing compared to what is planned, as the details of hundreds of federal awards lay bare. Research by The Federalist reveals our tax dollars are funding the development of artificial intelligence, AI, and machine learning, ML, technology that will allow the government to easily discover so-called problematic speech and track Americans reading or partaking in such conversations. Then, in partnership with big tech, big business, and media outlets, the government will ensure the speech is censored under the guise of combating what they call misinformation, and disinformation. The federal government has awarded more than 500-plus contracts or grants related to misinformation or disinformation since 2020. One predominant area of research pushed by the Department of Defense involves the use of AI and ML technology to monitor or listen to Internet conversations originally used as a marketing tool for businesses to track discussions about their brands and products and to track competitors, the DOD and other federal agencies are now paying for-profit public relations and communications firms to convert their technology into tools for the government to monitor speech on the Internet. The areas of the Internet the companies monitor differ somewhat, And each business offers its own unique AI and ML proprietary technology, but the underlying approach and goals remain identical. The technology under development will mine large portions of the Internet and identify conversations deemed indicative of an emerging harmful narrative to allow the government to track those so-called threats and adopt countermeasures before the messages go viral. With AI and ML identifying in real time the origins of supposed influence operations and how the message is spread, the government will have the ability to preempt the amplification of the speech, squelching even true reporting before the general populace has an opportunity to learn the news. To appreciate fully the danger that this poses to free speech requires Americans to consider the use of that technology with these seven additional details. Number one of the seven additional details, everything, everywhere, all at once. First, the AI and ML technology under development will mine every conceivable mode of conversation for the government. Consider, for example, the databases monitored by just a few of the companies the government is paying to develop this AI and ML technology. Peak Metrics, the recipient of a $1.5 million award, tracks millions of news sites, blogs, global social platforms, podcasts, TV and radio, and email newsletters. Omelis Incorporated, which received more than a million in taxpayer money, calls data from what they call the most influential newspapers, TV channels, government offices, militant groups, and more across a dozen social networks and messaging apps, thousands of websites, and thousands of RSS feeds. Aletheia Group, which received a Phase One award of nearly $50,000 to develop a machine learning tool for proactive disinformation, and misinformation, detection, assessment, and mitigation, boasts it covers data sources, including mainstream and fringe social media platforms, peer-to-peer messaging platforms, blogs and forums, state-affiliated media sites, gray propaganda sites, and the dark web. NewsGuard, awarded $750,000 by DOD, offers two databases, including its unreliable reliability ratings database of thousands of news and information websites, and a second database of purported hoaxes. Primer, which scored a $3 million award to develop its technology, offers a database that looks to news and media data sources, publicly captured images, the dark web, cyber attacks shared by the general public, and classified, presumably for government clients, and unclassified data sources. Primer also partners with Flashpoint which adds Telegram, Reddit, Discord, and the deep and dark web to the database's mind. Number two, we're talking Americans, not just Russian bots. It's also important to recognize that the AI and ML technology under development will not just mine foreign or stay connected actors, but will monitor everyone's speech. Both the government grants and the web pages than the monitoring companies confirm this reality. We also know from the Twitter files that the government and its fellow residents in the censorship industrial complex view the speech of Americans as related to foreign influence operations merely because the viewpoint matches what they claim is an adversary's perspective. And we know the government pushed for the censorship of ordinary Americans. And a lot of these things they have, they have links for, and the government pushing for the censorship of ordinary Americans goes to Alex Berenson, and his first Twitter files report about how Scott Gottlieb, a top Pfizer board member, used the same Twitter lobbyists as the White House to suppress debate on COVID vaccines, including from a fellow head of the FDA. I was back in. January 9th of this year. Margaret Cleveland continues that the Federalist, by its nature, AI and ML technology has unlimited potential to flag so-called problematic speech on any imaginable subject. Here, the past is prologue. Speech need not involve terrorism, acts of war, or even our electoral process for our government to consider it within its purview to fact-check. It also need not be false, as we will get to in point number four. The Twitter files and the recent events provide Americans a glimpse into the breadth of the topics the government may deem harmful narratives worthy of censor, from elections to vaccines to runs on grocery stores. Underlying the government's obsession with silencing misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation is the great power competition perspective of foreign relations, under which China and Russia represent a constant threat to America's power, influences, and interests. With the government viewing foreign relations through the great power competition paradigm, speech on any topic, touching even tangentially on America's power, influences, and interests, will be fair game for censorship efforts. Number three, the great power competition renders everything fair game for censorship. While to convincingly prove this reality requires a deeper expose coming soon on the Great Power Competition's connection to the government's focus on misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation, last week, Senator Mark Kelly, Democrat, Arizona, showcased the current thinking inspiring our leaders. During a conference call with the Federal Deposit and Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, About the Silicon Valley bank bailout, Senator Kelly asked whether there was a way to censor information on social media to prevent a run on the banks. Now, Senator Kelly's question was couched in a concern that foreign actors would be doing this. At least that's what U.S. Representative Thomas Massey told Public. But according to Massey, Kelly didn't suggest the censorship should be limited to foreigners or to things that were actually untrue. The move from the censorship of terrorism to the silencing of supposed interference in elections to censoring posts about so-called bank runs follows naturally from the shift in foreign relations paradigms from the war on terror to the great powers competition. The latter views anything affecting American power influence as fair game. We also saw the shift with the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, CISA, proposal to consider financial misinformation Within its purview. The government's censorship efforts won't stop its supposed financial misinformation, however, because anything and everything journalists report and citizens discuss would affect America's power, influence, and interests. So the government's development of technology to monitor the entirety of the internet foretells a much more dangerous threat than apparent on the surface. Number four, the government brands true speech misinformation. The threat to free speech stemming from the government's monitoring of the Internet is further increased by our overlords' willingness to brand true speech as misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation, and then seek to censor it. The Twitter files also exposed this reality, with our government and its lackeys seeking the censorship of true facts that might lead to vaccine hesitancy or reveal runs on grocery stores, that our government would seek to silence True speech on such matters gives Americans reason to fear further censorship of true information. Number five, faulty analysis and biased censors. The Twitter files also revealed that censorship demands by the government, think tanks, and academic institutions relied on faulty misinformation analyses, including ones that identified innocent Americans as foreign actors. Also, many of those involved and the disinformation industry maintain left-leaning bias and a penchant for targeting conservatives. and furthering its plans to monitor the Internet for supposedly harmful narratives to silence, the government is continuing to work with biased groups, including ones that pushed faulty analyses, adding to the threat to free speech. Number six, the government's partners are poised to censor. The government's push to develop AI and ML technology to mine the Internet is even more terrifying knowing that a censorship complex has already been built. And here she links to an article from the Federalist from February 28th called Meet the Partisans Who Wove the Censorship Complex's Vast and Tangled Weave. And that one was also written by Margot Cleveland, and she also links to another article she wrote for the Federalist called "The Censorship Complex Isn't a Tinfoil Hat Conspiracy," and the Twitter files just dropped more proof. She says the Twitter files revealed the breadth and depth of the complex, with every alphabet suit federal agency working with the social media. Giants and an array of think tanks and academic institutions, and with the legacy media providing an assist when censorship requests went ignored. While Elon Musk may have exited Twitter from the group, the censorship complex still stands tall and ready to silence the speech of those who dare dissent. The public-private collaboration makes the government's move to monitor the Internet even more threatening to free speech. Last but not least, number seven, Those who could warn the public or stop the plot are all in. The threat is further heightened because those with the power to warn the public and demand the government stop silencing American speech are complicit. The corrupt media's coverage, or lack thereof, of Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger's congressional testimony on the censorship complex proves this point. So, too, Does the Democrats' pathetic performance during the hearings when they expose themselves as enemies of free speech? With Democrats, the legacy media, and many Republicans all in on the government's efforts to censor misinformation and disinformation, it will be extremely difficult for the public to recognize the risks free speech faces, especially since those trying to sound the alarm have already been falsely branded purveyors of disinformation. A chance remains, though, that enough ordinary Americans will hear the message before it is too late and demand Congress close the censorship industrial complex. Well, I hope so. I hope so. From her lips to God's ears, Margot Cleveland at thefederalist.com, the U.S. government is building a vast surveillance and speech suppression web around every American. That is just remarkable. And again, it is my duty here at the Doc Washburn Show to share with you information that you're just not going to get anywhere else. And we appreciate your patronage. All right, it's that time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it's brought to you by Red River Auto. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. The believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. The way you want to, online, have it delivered to your front door, anywhere in the continental USA. Today's speech of the day is from a guy who goes by the Vigilant Fox. And he has a clip from U.S. Senator from Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, over at American Thought Leader's at the epic Times, and it goes something
2: like this. The primary reason I did run again is during the pandemic, I mean, nobody, nobody was doing what I was doing in Congress. I mean, the hearings I held should have been held in the health committees, the health committees, in both the House and the Senate, they weren't. I was doing it in Homeland Security, Governmental Affairs. I was using my position to, to highlight these things. Then even when I lost my chairmanship, I was holding these hearings. But nobody was, and then I got connected to the vaccine-injured community, Nobody was advocating for him. You you've, you've met with them. You can't turn your back on people like that. That are just you know, all the, all they wanted was to be seen, heard, and believed because they want to be cured. We're spending all, tens of billions of dollars on on research. Are we spending any money on vaccine injuries at all? Whether it's childhood vaccinations or whether it's the COVID vaccination, are we even doing the research? I doubt we are because. They don't want to know. they got a good thing going. they got pharmaceutical companies being able to crank out a new vaccine. I don't know. I mean, if we're up to 70, over how many years? It's more than one a year. No liability issue. And they just make a lot of money off of it. And it's just self-perpetuating. So they don't want to ask questions. They don't want to do the research. They don't want to know. It's called willful ignorance. And so... It seems that nobody else was really stepping up the plate to do this. In the end, I, I couldn't turn my back. The
0: great Senator Ron Johnson there, the vigilant Fox uh, from the Epic Times, American Thought Leaders. You've been listening to episode 363 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us, contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washman Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washman Show. And that's the way it is. Monday, March 27th, 2023.